1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Photography Podcast Analog Talk. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today we have a very special guest. I'm super excited for this one. We have Wendy Laurel. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Hi, everyone. So, we're going to talk about film photography
0: today. How's how's that sound? Sounds great to me.
1: So, Wendy, can you give us, um, kind of our listeners, a background of how you got started shooting film and photography in general?
0: Well, film and photography are kind of two different things for me. I started photography because I had just had my third baby, and I was like swimming in diapers and wanted to do something for myself. (laughs) I was a lawyer by profession. Oh, wow. So I took a photographer. I had never done anything creative. So I took a photography class at the local community college and i ended up buying a canon rebel from costco which shot black and white film for the cuz it was a black and white darkroom class yes. and that's how i yes. started photography awesome. but Love it. yeah but that's not really how i started film cuz even though i shot the black and white film for that class it like i pretty quickly got a digital camera to do what everyone else was doing right and I didn't really like my photos. And one day I was at Urban Outfitters, and if you <laughs> used to go to Urban Outfitters about ten years ago or so, they used to sell all these little film cameras. I think they still do, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they had um, a book by this guy who's really big in lamography, Kevin Meredith, and it was yeah. oh for sure. I forget what book mm-hmm. uh, Hot Shots. And it had all these pictures of these crazy Lomo shots. And I loved yes. it. And I bought the book and I listened to his advice. And I bought these cheap little cameras and started shooting film that way.
2: I yeah. love l- Lomography. That's great.
0: I do too. I love it.
2: I, lo- <laughs> I, love, I love Urban Outfitters too. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I mean, that's <laughs> I was all my Impossible film there. I was buying all my Lomo film there.
0: That's how I started. And then like right on the heels of that, I think I spent like the summer shooting lamography of just my kids and having fun. And then my best friend was getting married and she's like, help me pick a wedding photographer of which I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And she showed me two different guys' websites. And one was John Canlis yes. and one was oh. some digital shooter in San Francisco where she lives. And I saw his website and I saw he also shot like some cross-process film yeah. at the time. And he had these workshops, and I was like, "Oh, this is the guy you have to pick, and I'm going to his workshop before your wedding." And then that oh w- you went to his <laughs> workshop. Yeah, and you then tell me how that was. Oh, he, he's amazing. So yeah. I mean, once I went to his workshop, I never ever picked up a digital camera again.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Where 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 did you go to his workshop? I know he has them all over the place, right? Well, he
0: doesn't have them anymore. He has them on like a PDF thing that oh, right. you can buy, That's right. yeah. which, That's is, right. That's which right. is still great. And you can still yeah. sign up and do, I think, a one-on-one mentorship with him. But I went to one in San Diego, which was super fun because I met a, everybody I went to the workshop with. I became friends with and they're all That's photographers. Great. And then there was this Facebook group he had for everyone that went to the workshop. And in there... He's so smart. He's very smart. (laughs) So in there you became friends with all the other film shooters and I learned so much through that group. And that's really how I started.
1: When did you start shooting like professionally? How long after that?
0: Gosh, I think I came back from his workshop and shot a friend's wedding. Like on the on the (laughs) contacts. Yeah, just like right away, knowing nothing and yeah, I think just like right away.
2: (laughs) That's the way to do it. Jumping right in.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, do you do you shoot specific like exclusively with the contacts?
0: No, I have like a thousand cameras. No.
1: Yes, I think we all <laughs> but, do. <laughs> but
0: I am um, for weddings. I do use the contacts a lot because it you know has automatic you know yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. so you can shoot fast with it and but I and so it's kind of like my main professional camera that and the Canon One V with I with a, a twenty four millimeter lens on it. Awesome. So then I get two different kind of looks going.
1: Now, I I wish when I used to shoot weddings, I was kind of a hybrid shooter. I would shoot, you know, digital too, but I would yeah. also shoot with the contacts. You know, I, I mean, I learned on film in school and then when the switch happened in, in digital, I, you know, jumped on that bandwagon so I was like coming back to film that I like would find myself not shooting as many roles because I, you know, just go 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 at weddings. Yeah. Do you do you feel like the contacts is hard to move fast or are you like I guess you've been doing it for so long now. It's just kind of like you're – like how many backs do you have? Like how do you keep up with the pace of a wedding?
0: Oh, okay. So I always bring an assistant. Smart, so who smart. carries a bag and I have like a couple different inserts. I only have one back but I have a couple different inserts that he oh, keeps no. filled and then he just hands them to me and I Perfect. switch out the film. So – and awesome. then I'm also shooting with the 35. So if um, like if the contacts is out for some reason and he's not around, I can just shoot the other camera you know, until he gets back or I, heaven forbid, I could load it myself. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> There's almost, oh, it's always like pressure when I was like loading the back at a wedding, like everybody's just kind of like standing. like know. At you. And I'm like, just, just, a, just a minute. And then I'm like, I know. forget how to even do it. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I
2: totally, <laughs> totally had one of those moments that uh, I was shooting. uh It was the, what's the, the recital before the wedding, like the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. that's what it was. And it was, it was my first time meeting the, like the family and all that stuff. Cause it was a last minute wedding that I picked up and did. And it's same, same exact thing. I, I made the mistake of taking a brand new camera with me to shoot <laughs> some stuff. And I, oh man, I look like the most unprofessional person ever. It's like the roll of films rolling down to the floor and I'm just fumbling. Sweating. I'm like, this isn't. This isn't what I normally, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, You know
0: what? That happens to me. I make a thousand mistakes at every wedding and I just feel like you have to like own it and just laugh. Like I have dropped film in the ocean in front of a client, you know, like, you know, I've been at a wedding and had three cameras break, like one after another. And you just like,
2: oh man, just
0: pick up that fourth camera and keep going. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yep. what you gotta do yeah
1: do, do, do you uh take more than one contacts so, like do you have i, know some, I do some people, yeah. i do
0: i have a backup one that just in case one and i always yeah. i put the wide angle lens on it so i'll use it at night with a tripod for you mm. know that one shot of like the scene if i need it and um and if i need it halfway through the thing then i'm glad i have it but it usually, yeah. ju- it usually yeah, just sits sure. there I
1: had the contacts, uh, because I was shooting weddings and then when I moved to LA and got into um like production like unit still photography, I I sold it and I missed that thing.
0: You <laughs> <I laughs> so, can always buy another one.
1: I know, but it's like I can't spend you know, it's like I'm 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 like ha- because of what I do for work. I'm focusing on like getting the mirrorless Fuji cameras because they're silent on set. Ugh. So like I know I like I just can't and I can't at least not someday I will have that camera back. But I, it- yeah. I don't
0: even know what that is. So yeah, good, good. <laughs> keep it
1: that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Wendy, how did you fine-tune your look? Listeners, if you haven't checked out Wendy's website or her Instagram, her, your work is like looking into like some magical, colorful, wonderful place. How did you kind of like fine-tune your look? Um, did you like, experiment with different films or, or how did that come about?
0: Okay, so I never really thought, oh, I have to have this look and let's fine-tune it. Like that right. was never what I thought. You know, John Canlis always said shoot a lot of personal work. And really the reason I got into photography was to document my kids Right. Like that's yeah. how it started. So yeah. I always shot my kids a ton, a ton, a ton. And one year, I guess like right in the beginning, the first year I shot film, I did like a blog post because she are supposed to do all these blog posts. Mm-hmm. And I did this blog post mm-hmm. like best of whatever year it was, 2010 or 2009 or whatever it was, best of um, – and I just did like my kid's. And when I went through and picked out like my favorite shots and put them in this blog post, it was the first time that I thought, oh, hey, look, like everything kind of goes together. I do kind (laughs) of have a voice. And that's how I kind of found it. But I feel like the only way I found it was by just shooting what I love. Right. Yeah. And I like I've always liked color. Like we were talking about it in a workshop recently with Jan Palmer talking about like your first moments like as a kid like what you were drawn to and I was always drawn to color I always liked rainbows I like stripes I mean I grew up in the 70s so you know (laughs) that I have that vibe (laughs) and aesthetic like my records you know I used to like record albums I wanted a yellow and orange stripe around my bedroom And if I really think about that, that's like still – I still like those colors. It still brings me joy. Like if you look in my closet, it's all striped T-shirts. So I feel like um, if you just really shoot what you love and just follow that, that it just naturally comes together, your voice.
2: Man, I couldn't agree with that more. So what – I mean, I – I know you shoot a lot of Ektar. What, yeah. what are your favorite your favorite film stocks? Like, what do you what are you shooting with these days?
0: Okay, so for thirty five millimeter, I only shoot Kodak Ektar, and okay. the reason one one is it's like grain free. Like, I can't anytime I yeah, put yeah. any other thirty five millimeter film in, I get grain, and it drives me insane. So the Ektar yeah. is so beautiful, and I live you know in Hawaii, so I got plenty light. I'm I can shoot Ektar yet. right up until the sunset. And, um, you know, I have the colors here really look like the Ektar film. I have really blue oceans, super blue sky. I've got rainbows. I've got palm trees. And if I shoot, like, Portra or something else, it kind of subdues my colors. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the Ektar yeah. saturates them. as so much just shows what I'm actually seeing well, out yeah. my windows. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like it. Yeah. But in, in medium format, I do shoot – I shoot Ektar 2 but sometimes for skin tones like at weddings or families like depending who I have front of my camera I also shoot a lot of portrait 160 mm. I feel like yeah. it's got really pretty colors too and nice skin tones and then Low my, grain. yeah and my favorite is actually the portrait 800 I would shoot that all day long if it wasn't so expensive
2: yeah <laughs> it is it so is so expensive it is so
0: expensive but it's the colors in it are so pretty they're like Ektar, but just the skin tones are better, and it's just a little—I don't know if I would call—it's not as subdued as the 160 or the 400. But it's still really pretty and poppy. So if I had unlimited funds, I would shoot—I yeah. would shoot 800 all day long and Ektar, and that would be it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you're ex- exclusively Kodak, right? You don't shoot any like Fuji 400H or anything like that. Do you ever go? to have like a wild card day and
0: well sometimes i'll throw it in because i see other people's work and Mm -hmm. i always like Mm -hmm. get jealous i'm like it's so pretty how'd they do that so i'll shoot it and it just doesn't look good to me like on my camera with my i'm like uh why is mine so blah and his looks so good but so yeah i never have good luck so i stick with kodak yeah (laughs) yeah, i agree with that
2: that completely because anytime i try the fuji 400 H or whatever it is I just do not get good results no. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Kodak shooter all, all the way Yeah, and Fuji I just I get so bummed out because I want to I wanna be a part of yes. that crew, like the Fuji <laughs> crew but like, totally. it just never turns out that way
0: I know and then I'm like well maybe they're popping saturation maybe the lab's yeah, doing something yeah. for them mm-hmm. yeah. but um, or maybe I'm just so used to my colors that anything next to it looks black I'm not yeah, really yeah. sure but it just doesn't work for me
1: I remember I shot a roll of Fuji 400H. I went to visit my brother and his girlfriend in DC and I got developed and instantly didn't like it. I was like, no, what? Why did I, yeah. why did I change what I like? But then I like came back to it a while, like a while later because I started like posting film photos just on a separate Instagram where I just posted, uh, my film work. So I was kind of like going through the archives and I was like, whoa, this is different. I kind of like it. So it's, I guess it's like when you're, you're like used to seeing one thing and then you kind of yeah. stray away that you could, I don't know, different, I guess. Yeah. yeah Every sure.
0: once in a while I'll buy some and I'll shoot a roll at a wedding for portraits just to see if it turns out different, but it's not yeah. really mm-hmm. I'm it's never like I don't always th- I never think, "Oh, I got to shoot that again." I'm always yeah. like, "Yeah, whatever."
1: If it's around, yeah. you know, I'll shoot <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll shoot whatever I have. Yeah. Like,
1: Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about you do this really cool like um light leak yeah. thing? So, which-
0: I get bored super easy, right? And I really like things that are different or kind of weird or strange. And when I see somebody else's work, I'll be like, how did they do that? Like, And I forget who I was looking at for the Light Leaks. So I have their book somewhere, but I can't remember his name. But anyway, it was like super inspiring. So I was like, if they can do it, I can mm-hmm. do it, I'm sure. So I don't even know how I started doing it. I must. I probably dropped my camera in the back. I think I dropped <laughs> it and the camera opened and I was like, oh, no, I lost my roll of film. But, of course, I only lost like two shots. And then there yes. were some mm-hmm. really cool shots on either side of it. And I was like, oh, well, if I just do that, you know, plan it, then yeah. I can do whatever I want. So, so, yeah, I just sometimes I forget. Like I don't do it on every roll of film and I don't even do it at every wedding or every shoot that I have. Because it's just like an extra thing I throw in when I'm inspired or thinking of it. Just like double exposures or yeah. other random things. Like So at every like, paid job that I have, I do what I'm supposed to do. And then I right. always do something extra for me. And so yeah. some days That's I'm more into do double exposures. Some days I'm more into light leaks. Some days I'm on my game and can do all of it. Some some days I bring like an extra little small camera and then just do that whole roll throughout the wedding and then do a whole roll of double exposures over it after the wedding. It just depends on, you know, and I'm always changing. So I'm always trying something new.
1: That's really awesome. Like when I was shooting weddings, again, one of the reasons why I didn't use the film as much was because, you know, the digital, it's like the only thing it's good for is like you could see it. So you, you know you're getting the shot. Yeah. Versus like... You know, I know it's there, but, like, what if it's not there because it's a paid wedding? You know, you kind of get, would get anxious. So I think that's really awesome that you're, like, doing even, like, going beyond that and just, like, being, like, well, let's see what what I could do. And, like, <laughs> let's see what happens.
0: So so we can talk about anxiety. I get, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get, like, super anxious before every wedding, like, to the point where I'm, like, why am I doing this? This right. cannot be good oh, for man. me. But then once I'm there, it goes away and I start Same. shooting – and then mm-hmm. after, depending how many mistakes I had during the day, I might be anxious about the film, and sometimes I might ask the lab to, like, can you just rush one roll so I make sure I knew yeah. I, so I had I could something? So I can sleep? So I can go to sleep? So I, so I can I'm sleep hard. for the next <laughs> month. But they're kind of sick of me doing that, so they're like, you're fine. And at some point, it's, like, kind of inevitable that someday maybe a wedding will get messed up. I don't know. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. Yeah. But um, – <laughs> It's kind of like hanging over my head, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't happen. It won't happen. Man,
2: I I totally feel that though because I I just spent uh, the weekend in the studio with a band shooting some stuff for them behind the scenes of them recording their album and up until getting there, you know, the morning I woke up, I was a a ball of nerves and yeah. then driving there, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, and I'm like, what am I doing? I <laughs> <laughs> this is what I this is what I live for. Right. I know I'll be all right. I need to just get there and do it. You know, like. It's so funny how nerves and anxiety can just take over sometimes, man.
0: Yeah, it's like you're supposed to love your job. That's why you picked it. And then you're like, I it. (laughs) The only wedding that I really screwed up was like one of my very first weddings. And it was on digital. Oh, really? I shot over a card i had already shot on. So oh. So my biggest mistake was on I digital.
1: I guess so I guess yeah that's true. Like you you can't, you you can't, can't do that with a roll of film. You can't well, format you, you the can. film and be like, Okay, let's go again. You can see I'm that's actually.
0: true. Man. Well I guess you could. Yeah, you probably could. And I have. <laughs> If there's a mistake, (laughs) if there is a mistake to be made, I have made it.
2: Oh man, that's great! I love hearing that. I have so much more confidence now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all make mistakes, and it all works out in the end. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it does. Well, hopefully, so far. But yeah, no. One time, this okay, this was a really big mistake, and I had like somebody I was teaching as a mentor with me, which is why Mm. I think I did this happened. I shot a family with two cameras, with my 35 and my contacts. And I never put film in the 35 the entire time. I never noticed it was out of film. Like I just shot the whole family that way. And so when I got back home, like I realized like about a half hour after like, I don't remember changing the film ever. Like (laughs) what? So then (laughs) because it was a family, I was able to call them. I was able to call them and say like, I think one of my cameras had a problem. Um, I just like to do a short reshoot tonight at sunset. They were like, "Sure, whatever." They didn't really know what I had done. Mm, I went, yeah. I went through in my head and thought of like the key shots that I really wanted to have, and I made like a list. And I just took two rolls of thirty-five and just banged it out in twenty nice, minutes. Nice, nice. And I had a beautiful gallery, but I was like, "Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay. always put film in your camera before you leave for the shoot, Wendy." Because
2: mm, <laughs> that's your lesson learned.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know. Could happen again.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Man, I saw just like skimming through your website yesterday and, and a little bit this morning. I saw I saw your mentoring sessions and that stuff's awesome, but I also saw lately I keep coming across souping film, film soup. Do you do you soup film?
0: Yeah. So that is like nothing new. It's been on Lemagri forever.
2: No, yeah. And I can't believe I'm only coming across this now. Yeah.
0: So I guess I have always known about it, but never really did it. But I you know I did the light leaks and I do the double exposures mm-hmm. and I was trying to look for another and I try every kind of crazy film that Lomography comes out with, but I still always yeah. like Kodak better. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for another way to add color to my film and I don't ever want to do it on a computer. Like, no, no I never no. want to Photoshop mm-hmm. this. Everything that I do has to be done through the camera or I'm not happy with it. Well, I guess film soup isn't really done through the camera, but it's done in my kitchen. But anyway, so (laughs) I – and then there's a guy on Instagram, The Death of Film. The guy's super rad. He shoots, like, all these pretty girl models all the time, and he's really good, but every once in a while he throws up a frame where he's done film soup. He calls it Electric Kool-Aid in his hashtag, and he's really good, and he's super nice, and um, I chatted with him once about it, and he's. I think he's going to put out a book because he's been doing it for so long, he's done a lot of different – experiments and he has all this technique to it whereas i don't really have any technique i just like tried a bunch of stuff yeah just i've been kind of playing with it over the last year or so and then this summer has i don't know i went on vacation with my kids and they're going to be teenagers they don't really want to get their pictures taken so i can't bring <laughs> a big camera i just have like i just bring like a point and shoot camera in my pocket and like, a, yeah, I bring a couple of them because one always breaks. So I brought a couple <laughs> and I just shot random shots of them here and there. They pose for maybe four pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a train. And, then,
0: and then I brought all the film home and I destroyed it all. So half, <laughs> half of it I shot different kind of lights over, like just all this random light colored light stuff. And the other half I put in different jars of boiling water with different types of ingredients in it
2: just to see what
0: would happen and shook it up, left it for like an hour, dried it off, rinsed it off, sent it to my lab who were like super unhappy with me. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, "What?" I did label it and tell them what I had done and said like, you know, do, do this at the end of your batch before you change your chemicals so you don't mess anyone else up. So they didn't want to mess anyone else's film up. But it came back super rad. I loved it. And there was like some mistakes made. There was one, I used dishwashing detergent and I used too much in one of them. And it like stripped the film right off the roll, the emulsion right off. But then some of the images were saved, but parts of them are missing. Oh, and then, cool. yeah, well, no, that, no? I, I call that a fail a little no. bit, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was definitely some fails, but it turned out really cool. And I blogged it the other day and I think Lomography Magazine has picked it up and they're going to make oh, an great. article. Right. Yeah, awesome. it's going to go up, I don't know, in the next couple of weeks or something. But yeah, it was super fun. It's not like something you can do every day.
2: Yeah, it was a, mm-hmm. a
0: really cool experiment.
2: I just think it's so cool because people are like getting filters and all kinds of stuff to, you know, make their photographs look like that. And it's just another way of keeping it analog and keeping it hands on and keeping it, artistic you know know, just like another another way of doing it and i i I really need to get into trying it i have a bunch of color film that i don't i don't i'm mostly a black and white shooter so i i really want to try this out with the color film that i have i want to make some film soup one of these (laughs) (laughs) nights and see what happens yeah what
1: what what exactly is it do you just what's the process like the bare like the easy process
0: yeah so the easy way to say is i just basically took film i shot i Mm -hmm. took it was all 35 millimeter i left the film lead out put it in a jar poured boiling water on it and then I added ingredients so like the more acidic the ingredient the more reaction so I tried a bunch of different stuff like just basically I I combed the internet and spoke to other people who did it to see what they because I was looking for the most colorful results right and then I looked at my color wheel and I thought well maybe if it's maybe it's going to be the opposite so maybe I should soak it in something turquoise to get pink like I don't really know what I'm doing so I tried like green Gatorade I tried cough syrup I tried soaps I tried lemon I tried dishwashing detergent which you shouldn't use too much of (laughs) and and I just tried like I had like 10 different bottles of different colors different ingredients and different films so like what film it was really determined to like how it reacted so how
1: long do you leave it is it like a Cool I don't,
0: I I only left it for an hour. Like I shook okay. up the jar so it got in through. You can. I know some people leave it there for a couple of days. Like whoa. I'm not a very patient yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> so me, an, me an hour is good for me, and then other people are like, okay, so then you soak it for a couple of days, and then you let it dry in the sun for two weeks. Well, yeah, no, I shifted it to the lab wet because wow. I was like, cannot wait. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Christmas anticipation you got to see yeah I was like yeah. Yeah, yeah no
0: I can't just have that sitting there for two weeks I'll go crazy no, exactly but um you know you got to tell the lab you're doing it and most labs I think would like I'm pretty sure Richard Photo would be like no no right yeah. so so you got to find like a little off-the-wall lab maybe to work with or you got to develop it at
2: home yeah that's what I do. I develop at home, so I would definitely... So you can know, I Timothy, send I'll, my I'll stuff try to you? Yeah, I was going to say, Timothy, yeah, yeah. I'll try send, it and I'll send, send it to it you. Send it on over.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Man, awesome. I'm, I really wanted to know about that, so that's cool. I'm glad we talked about that. That's cool.
0: So it's super fun. It's just fun to try new stuff. So like, I'm always looking for a new thing to try. Yeah.
1: I noticed a lot of your work, do you, you shoot underwater
0: a lot? Sometimes I do, just because I, where I live right? Yeah. And my kids are always in the water. Which
1: camera do you have for
0: that? <laughs> I actually use, um, I have a bunch of underwater cameras. So, but the one I use the most is Lomography, that Lomo Plus, Lomo oh. Plus, and then it has like an underwater crab case. So it's not that expensive and it's just zone focusing. So I don't really have any, you know, setup underwater. All I can do is push the shutter button, right. <laughs> which yeah. is, which is really the way to go.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I have the Nikos. Yeah, underwater. I have that too. I think I maybe put two rolls through it just because it's tricky to, with the focusing because you yes. like, how many feet do I have to be and like you have to make sure everything's sealed in <laughs> yes. right. And yeah, I got one really good roll and then that was it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I have that and I also have it's like a Fuji HD-1 or something underwater camera but I swear like Lomo is the easiest and I have the best results for it so that's good to know yeah
1: because I've, I've been dying to get back because i live in la so it's like yeah. the ocean is right here and everything and i'm like i need a day where i can just like go experiment and jump in the water yeah so that's the, awesome the easier I'm, it I'm is
2: landlocked. the more
0: likely i'm gonna do it
2: <laughs> i wish i was near an ocean i'm i'm definitely surrounded by land
1: i know poor timothy you have to go in a pool yeah yeah. yeah. Pools,
0: <laughs> pools are good pools have uh-huh. good visibility <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can see what you're you're shooting. Yeah, you're
2: right. You're right. Put
1: some goggles on, you're good. All right, guys, so we're going to segue into our question of the week. This one comes from Chris Damore. Uh, We put our little thing on Instagram and he responded, thank you for that, Chris. He says, do you feel there's a certain amount of digital editing after scanning images that compromises the integrity of analog photography? Or do you think it's an acceptable norm to achieve an end result?
0: I can only speak for myself. And I hardly do any digital editing on my photographs. The lab does during the scanning process. So I'm not really sure exactly how that's working except that I think he's just trying to get the colors to be what they're supposed to be. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel like they're manipulating the colors or changing them or saturating them or unsaturating them. So I don't think... That there's anything that compromising the analog quality. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I
1: don't I don't do any of my own scanning either. So I kinda leave that part up to the lab. When you use like it's same you know, the same lab that you kinda get the like, consistent results. So for me, like I know yeah, when like, I'm going to the whatever lab I go to. If I drop off Portra, I know what I'm gonna get. So for me it's like right. I know I, I leave out up to them. So there's no I very rarely have to tweak anything and if I do it, maybe it's just like contrast or like you know brightening it up a little bit but as far as the color uh, it's good to go and that's that's one of the reasons why I love shooting film that I don't have I don't that's have to me <laughs> too. go through a whole wedding and and you know do that whole
0: I do not do any editing like I mean I delete or I, what I most often have to do is fix my horizon yeah. lines because I'm all <laughs> yeah. over the place oh, forever yeah but I'm not changing color or anything like that so Yeah, I feel that's why I like film because I feel like if I want to change the color, I shoot a different film or I use a different camera. That's how I control that process, not on the computer. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I am my own lab, so I know what stock to shoot for what I want to shoot. You know, like if I want something that's not so grainy, but still black and white, you know, I'll shoot like the T-Max or the Delta. If I want something nitty gritty, I'll shoot the Tri-X. And just I scan it in, I knock the dust out of it, you know, fix the horizon, Mm -hmm. like you said, and (laughs) or like crop like a funny handout or something that's in the corner. I really try not to do any major cropping, especially if it's 35 because then you're knocking down the resolution a little bit but there are a lot of hybrid shooters out there though that shoot film and then like have to, totally have to match. photoshop the crap out of it yeah. but i i don't know <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight i i just <laughs> i'm just glad they're shooting film you know yeah <laughs> but i personally i don't do any manipulation and I think I think if you do, it kind of does take it out of that box of of so like the analog box a little bit, but yeah, because
1: I've seen people like post a, a film image somewhere like on Instagram, and then you could tell that they've like messed with it. I'm like, why? Do you, what? Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> That's the whole point. You don't
0: have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is yeah. the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> you is, don't have to.
2: <laughs> I think. Or like I, I saw one too that was like shut on Kodak Ektar. Converted to black and white. Yeah. It's like, why? What? Yeah. Like, why are you shooting Ektar? Why? Like, the most saturated <laughs> film there is out there, and you're converting it to black and okay?
1: Yeah. Blasphemy. <laughs> Well, thank you, Chris, for that question. We really appreciate it. And remember, guys, you can send us your questions to our email address, analogtalkpodcast at gmail.com. We love asking our guests these questions and kind of getting into it with uh, with that kind of thing. So please keep them coming as we really enjoy that. So, Wendy, this is by request from our listeners. We've been asked to ask our guests what is their favorite camera to shoot with. So do you think you can pin it down to one?
0: No. <laughs> I was going to say, I can, I can nobody pick, can. can pick so
1: don't...
0: <laughs> it really depends what I'm shooting and when yeah. and where. So at a wedding, I guess my most used camera is the Contax 645. But sometimes I shoot a mm. Hasselblad H1. And I also shoot the Canon 1V at weddings. Um, so for family sessions, I probably shoot the majority of it on the Canon 1V. But I'm also using mm-hmm. the Contax. And then... Um, for both weddings and families and for at home, like I love to have a point-and-shoot camera in my pocket all the time. Yeah. So I shoot a lot of stuff on either um, a little Lomo camera or the Kloss W. I just broke both of mine, but oh no,
1: oh.
0: hopefully, well, that's what you get when you take it like out in the middle of the ocean. and you know, <laughs> yeah. That's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to replace that soon, but um, it's a great little point-and-shoot camera because it's got exposure compensation on it. And Ooh, they come out oh, nice. beautiful, and you just throw it in your pocket. Yeah. So those, I guess, are my three oh. favorite. But I love – I have a Rolly SL66 that I love and adore, and I have a Mamiya 6. And I don't know. It's hard to pin me down.
1: I know. It's, it's, I was gonna saying, cool. every guest is like, like, I have this one for this and this one for that. It's like, imagine if there was like one end-all, be-all. Like, this is all you'll ever want and need. How nice would that be?
0: <laughs> I, might, I might take the Lomo because I can do, do anything with
2: it. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I don't know. Very cool. All
2: right, guys. For this week's photo challenge, we are doing your favorite image shot on Kodak Ektar.
1: And remember, guys, so you can include those into our Flickr group. That's going to be the uh, Analog Talk podcast Flickr group. So drop those into that to add that to the group. And we'll continue to share them on our website, on our Instagram. And we've been in we've been in love with all the stuff you guys have been sharing with us so far. So please keep that up. Yeah. Um, we were loving that. So thank you again for that.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for sharing.
1: Yeah, Wendy, so that, this has been really, really great. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can everybody
0: check out your work? Um On my website, wendylaurel.com is probably the easiest, or on Instagram at Wendy laurel.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and Timothy, where can we check out you?
2: Okay, and you can find me on Instagram, at Timothy Makeups. I also make YouTube videos about film photography. That's just my name, so it's going to be Timothy Ditzler, D-I-T-Z-L-E-R. And uh, yeah, how about you, Chris? Where are you at?
1: I'm Chris B. Photo on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And I have a Instagram just for my film photography. It's my whole name, Christine Bartolucci. And then we have AnalogTalkPodcast.com and AnalogTalkPodcast on Instagram, and we're Analog Talk Podcast on Twitter or Analog Talk Pod on Twitter. So give us a follow there, guys. And Wendy, thank you again for joining us. This has been really awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. All right, guys. uh, Thanks for joining us and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.